Constant Contact's marketing tools and technology make it easier than ever to drive big results for your small business. From list growth and email to SMS and social media, it's all powered by advanced automation and AI capabilities that help you grow your business more effectively. Plus, we've got the reporting you need to see what's working and what's not, so you can adjust along the way. Constant Contact is the digital marketing solution you need to keep up, excel, and grow. Try it for free today at ConstantContact.com. This is Max Hedrum. Hello? Anybody home? Hey! Fly fish. Our generation may not remember the moon landing, but we remember moon boots. If you owe a few cavities to candy cigarettes, learn your adverbs from Schoolhouse Rocks, burn your shins on a hot metal slide with sharp edges, exploding pop rocks for science, and you still want your MTV, then this podcast is for you. Dancing With Myself is dedicated to the decade of excess, the 1980s. So pull up your leg warmers and let's get physical. You're listening to Dancing With Myself. I'm Heather. John Hughes revolutionized the teen movie industry in the 1980s. Considered a prolific writer, director, and producer, his most popular films featured the problems and emotions of middle-class suburban teenagers. His breakthrough hit was 1983's National Lampoon's Vacation, starring comedian Chevy Chase. By 1984, his film Sixteen Candles resonated with audiences as the characters navigated the awkwardness of high school with just enough racy, drunken shenanigans to fit in with the teen movies of the time. Hughes launched the career of icon Molly Ringwald, who went on to star in his other films, The Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink, having written the Sixteen Candles role specifically for her. Hughes referenced Teenage Ringwald as his, quote, muse. However, as societal norms change over time, his movies are now viewed as racist, homophobic, and misogynistic. After the pair, who had been extremely close and wrapped up pretty in pink, Ringwald chose not to work with John Hughes again, citing her decision to grow up as an actor. Despite criticism, others have noted Hughes had a way of understanding teenagers and representing the anger and isolation they often felt. Shoulder pads were among the most popular fashion trend for women in the 1980s. They were worn by women of all generations and could be found in pantsuits, dresses, wedding gowns, and jean jackets. For women, the shoulder pad was part of the power suit, creating wide shoulders to accentuate a smaller waist. From political figures like Margaret Thatcher to celebrities, everyone was sporting the look. Originally invented as a protective layer for football players in the late 19th century, shoulder pads made their way into women's fashions in the 1930s. Elsa Schiaparelli first included the padding to women's clothing. A French designer, Schiaparelli was part of the surrealist art movement and liked creating illusionistic details to her designs. Joan Crawford borrowed the look from her relationship with Adrian Adolf Greenberg, adopting the look as part of her signature style. She debuted shoulder pads in her Adrian gown in the 1932 film Letty Linton. They were prominent again in her 1945 film Mildred Pierce. The choice connected the shifting gender attitudes of the 1940s as women began entering the workforce during World War II. 
Like Margaret Thatcher, women were making strides and breaking the glass ceilings in corporate companies. They needed a way to assert power, and the shoulder pad offered a way to assimilate with men, often distancing their femininity from the office. When we had questions about sex, menstruation, masturbation, bodily changes, or just playing growing up, we directly went to our parents or a trusted teacher for straight answers and sensible advice, right? No way. Instead, we whispered and giggled with our friends, snuck into R-rated movies, and maybe perused the library's copy of The Joy of Sex. Thank heaven for Judy Bloom. Her books tackled those topics that we were too embarrassed to bring up with anyone, but never did so in an exploitive or lurid way. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Wasn't just about buying a bra or getting your period. It's about finding out who you are, religiously and otherwise. Then again, Maybe I Want is remembered as the, quote, wet dream book, but Tony also struggled with the agony of moving, sibling issues, and friend shoplifting. And Bloom could write for all ages. Little kids identified with the hilarious tales of a fourth grade nothing, super fudge. I mean, those were great. Our moms hid wifey under their mattress, and the much-banned Forever was the book someone inevitably stole from a cheerleader and passed around the school bus. In an era where it felt like grown-ups were still hiding a lot from kids, Judy Bloom was the big sister who spelled out the truth and also taught us that classic playground chant, we must, we must, we must increase our bust. <laughs> Judy Bloom is still going strong, writing, fighting censorship, and also blogging. And here's a fun fact for you. Many a reader of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret were confused by the mention of belted sanitary napkins, which no longer existed by the time most of us read the book. It was not until the late 1990s that the mention was changed to adhesive pads. The best childhood toys are the ones with a little element of danger, but this was ridiculous. Lawn darts were a 1970s fixture at backyard barbecues and birthday parties. Why didn't our parents just let us juggle chainsaws and tease rabid wolverines? Lawn darts looked exactly like the little darts you throw at a tavern dartboard, only they were sized for the Incredible Hulk. Two players would stand at opposite ends of the yard and chuck the darts at plastic rings on the ground, doing a little victory dance when the point landed in the target with a satisfying schnick, narrowly missing the kids standing nearby. There were apparently rules to lawn darts, but who knew what they were? As with horseshoes, we just liked to pick them up and fling them as far as we could. We'd just seen the Olympics. We might pretend we were on the United States javelin team. Fans of gladiator types of movies got to play Spartacus. And girls imagined themselves as Wonder Woman hefting an enormous spear. But our fun had an expiration date. Oh yeah, in 1988, the Consumer Product Safety Commission banned lawn darts from being sold in the United States. I mean, for obvious reasons. Like BB guns, those clacker balls, and that hot melty goop we made monster molds out of, they soon passed into legend. A reminder of the days when fun extracted a painful price. 